you know, the uh, Fred Pugich, I think, is an uncle. The family's close to Fickle. Just a Ohio State legacy family. It's, it's a no-brainer for him. It sets him up for life after football. And, oh, by the way, you know, he's going to compete like heck with Justin Fields. And I think that's a good thing to not have Justin Fields sitting there thinking, you know, I have no competition. I don't have to work. This job's mine. No. You want him pushed a little bit. And I think that'll happen. And I think Gunner can also be sort of that wise veteran, older brother for Justin, you know, and help him in the meeting rooms and the film room and off the field too. So to me, it was a, just a total win for Ohio state and for Gunner. Absolutely. I mean, it did make a ton of sense and I should have said this at the top of the show, but Gunner Hoke uh, eligible immediately for those that don't know, he's a graduate transfer. I will graduate from Kentucky here shortly, much like Joe Burrow, graduate transfer with two years of eligibility remaining. So um, it's really nice. So he's going to come here not just for 2019, but he'll be here for 2020 as well. Um, we'll have Chris Chuggin off just for this uh, final season. He'll be a fifth-year senior. So uh, the bottom line here for me, Bank, is um, you know when Matthew Baldwin decided to leave, I mean, it was just like – you know, what is the best you can do to alleviate, you know, the any, any worries at the situation and just get the best guy available? They did that. I cannot imagine a scenario where you're going to get somebody better than Gunnar Hoke. I can imagine a lot of scenarios you get somebody worse. I mean, they weren't going to get somebody any better than that to come and, and know they're going to be coming in here pretty much as the backup. Uh, and you laid it out. I mean, his father played for the Buckeyes. Fred Pugich, you know, the the, uh, the architect of the Silver Bullets when he took over for Bill Young as defensive coordinator as his uncle. Fred Pugich Jr., of course, is his cousin. Um, makes so much sense. It makes sense for both sides. And I just think Ryan Day did a great job of finding the best option here. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And when this news first hit about Matthew Baldwin, I think it was a Thursday evening, and, you know, I was on the message board, and I went through that transfer portal, and that was a collection of, you know, guys that can't play dead in a cowboy movie. You wouldn't want them as an extra. And then somebody on the message board actually mentioned Gunnar Hoke, and I thought, oh, my God, it's over. It's over. That's it. There's no – this is done. And at that point, Gunnar was not in the transfer portal. And, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, like I say, he was their first choice of who was feasible. You know what I mean? You're not going to get – you can't get better than him. It's just late in the game. So – I was so happy when that name first was popped and it wasn't, didn't come from me. Somebody else threw that name out there. And then I did some digging. I've got a pretty good relationship with Gunner and his father, Frank. And once I started digging around a little bit, it was like, this is, this is so perfect. It's, it's almost too good to be true for both parties. So now I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, seeing Gunner push Justin. So, and I think Justin needs that. Absolutely, and that is the plan that he's going to come in here, and you know he, yeah, yeah, he he probably knows deep down he's going to be the backup, but he also knows he's coming in here to compete and and, and push Justin, just like you said. Um, moving on, I want to talk about you know Mike Jordan. Um, he left early after his junior year. You know, a lot of people told him to come back, as you mentioned in, in your bank blog. Um, he went very late in the fourth round to the Bengals. Looked like he was going to slip to the fifth round. At least he went late fourth. Um, but a lot of, you know, he was hoping to go in the third round. I interviewed Mike Jordan at the uh, the Midwest Sport, uh, Sports Spectacular, what was that, like a month or two ago, and he said third round was what he was hoping for, maybe second, and he goes very late fourth. So you have to think if he was told that going in to the decision-making process, he might have decided to come back to Ohio State. Here's the thing, though. If, if Jordan, 
if he would have returned, I don't think Ohio State would have got Jonah Jackson. And I don't know if that's a, a good trade. I don't know if I'd rather have Jonah Jackson or Mike Jordan, but I think they are pretty close. Do you agree with me if Mike Jordan would have returned that Jonah Jackson would not have decided to transfer here? Um, I was never told that. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, Jonah Jackson was only going to go somewhere where he was guaranteed to start. Um, right. Now, me – knowing what I know about Jonah, and I think he's going to be Ohio State's best offensive lineman this year, it's hard for me to believe Jonah wouldn't have started this year, even with Jordan had returned. Um, it's hard for me to believe Jonah Jackson wouldn't have started last year. So, you know, I don't know. I was never told that. I mean, you know, there's no way for me to answer that. I mean, it's hard for me to believe Jonah Jackson could have looked at the guys on that roster and felt like, well, I can't beat these guys out. Um, that's hard for me to believe. But, you know, who knows? The transfer thing is so important. Everybody has different different reasons, you know, and, and, and different motivations. You know, Gunnar Hoke's motivation would not be the same as Jonah Jackson's. So Jonah had to be a starter. I mean, he could not go somewhere and get beat out and not start. I mean, that could not happen. So, um, like I said, I think Ohio State I, – I wish he could have came in for spring just to kind of backtrack on Jonah. But, you know – couldn't happen so it didn't but and then with Jordan I, I thought he made a horrible decision to go early I hate seeing oh and I'm a I'm a go early guy I'm a huge go early guy but, but man old linemen seem to need five years you know not three so I, I thought you know I thought it was a bad decision I think even if he would have came back next year and gotten hurt early in the year and never played the rest of the year I think he had enough film for his first three years to still go as a late fourth fifth guy, whatever, you know, so he, he, there was no risk in coming back for him. Even if he would have suffered an injury, he would have ended up in the same spot, but my gosh, with a big year, you know, he could have jumped up a lot higher. And like I say, for his age, very young to go play against those men in the NFL, I'd rather see running backs, receivers, DBs, quarterback. I I don't mind seeing those those guys go early, but the linemen, I think they need as much time as they can get through the strength and conditioning program, reps, and just physical maturity. I'm with you 100%, and just looking at Ohio State's draft history with the offensive linemen, it proves it. I mean, let's look. I mean, I think of a guy leaving early. Not everybody has to be on this level, but I think of guys like Orlando Pace and Corey Stringer. Let's look at the recent history of guys going in the NFL that have been really good offensive linemen at Ohio State. Taylor Decker, first-round pick, stayed as a senior. Billy Price, first-round pick, stayed as a fifth-year senior. Pat Elfline stays as a senior. Um, all these other guys. Jack Muhor was a second-round pick, stayed as a senior. Uh, Corey Lindsley, not that he would have been – I don't think he was ever even thinking about leaving early, but you know, he was a fifth-year senior, and he's doing really well in the NFL. On and on and on and on of these guys that stuck around for their senior year, and it helped them. So uh, I wish Michael Jordan luck. Um, he plays for my Bengals, so um, I, I, you know, good, good luck down there. Um, I'm a big offensive line guy, too. I'm not going to act like I'm on your level or Dwayne's level because you guys pride yourself on being like, you know, the, you guys love the, the biggums inside more than anybody. But I, I love me some offensive line, too. I want to ask you about Josh Myers at center. Um, there's been a lot of hype about him, that he had a great great spring, and he's locked it down. He he could be a real force for them. Are you buying that? or do You, you probably need to see it first, I imagine. But just your thoughts on Josh Myers at center. Well, I want to buy it because – I, I like that kid from the minute I saw him as a, I think a sophomore in high school and he's a, he's a great kid. And, you know, you root for these kind of guys. Um, but like you said, you know, 
what game has he helped Ohio State win today? Uh, none. So you haven't seen it. I mean, I think he's got a ton of potential. Um, I want to see it. I want to believe in him. I want to see him become Billy Price or, you know, Pat Elfline. And I hope he follows in those guys' footsteps. Nothing would make me happier to see that guy have a great finish to his career at Ohio State and go on into the NFL. I mean, he deserves it. He's a great kid. Nice family and all that. But, you know, once you strip all that away, what have we seen him do? You know, so you got to see it. You hope for it. You, you want it to happen for him. But, you know, until you see it, it it's just kind of hard to throw out a statement like, oh, my gosh, you know, he's going to dominate college football next year. I hope he does. I really do. I do as well. Um, last thing, I mean, the head scratcher may be in all of sports right now. <laughs> At least I should I should limit it to football. I really should. As Dwayne Haskins going 15th, flipping 15th, you have a lot of people like Dane Brugler, I want, to, I want to take Ohio State people out of the mix because, you know, people might accuse me. I don't know why they would accuse me of being biased towards Ohio State or anything, but uh, that's my little joke. But you have even people that are no dog in a fight that are like, how in the hell did Dwayne Haskins flip to 15? He was my top quarterback on the board is what Dane Brugler from The Athletic is saying. Um, Dane Brugler, who we have on Bucknuts Radio occasionally with Dan Rubin, uh, and we really appreciate him helping us out. He, you know, he thinks Haskins was the top quarterback on the board. Other guys I really trust, Lewis Riddick thought he was the top quarterback on the board, on and on and on and on. Um, Kyler Murray, I get it, you know, whatever. We, he, he fits the Cardinals. Daniel Jones going sixth. And, and what's great theater here, Bank, is they play in the same division, the Redskins and the Giants. We're going to get to see them. They're always going to be measured against each other. I just, I'm still, even what, uh, three days later, I'm still dumbfounded by this. Well, I mean, I'm with you, and like I say, I am not like the pure OSU homer, you know, can't believe Johnny Dixon didn't go in the first round. You know, I'm not that guy at all. I try to be as objective as possible. The the Kyler Murray thing, I, I get it. Where I Where I would disagree with that would be the hiring of the coach they hired. Right. You know, you hired, you hired Cliff Kingsbury. I think that's a huge mistake. But once you do that, you almost have to give him his guy, you know, and, and Kyler Murray fits that offense that Kingsbury wants to run. And I love Kyler Murray as a player. I saw him all week at Under Armour the one year he was down there, and he remains the most single impressive quarterback I've ever seen on the high school level. I watched him every day for a week, and I couldn't believe just how impressive he is. You strip away the 5'10", excuse me, and make him 6'3", then he's, you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame. So that I got. The Daniel Jones is unbelievable because had they taken Josh Allen or Ed Oliver or some impact defender at six, then there would have been a heck of a quarterback available to them, you know, at 16. Um, Huge mistake there. Take your impact defender, get your quarterback later, now, if they saw the way the draft was starting to roll and, oh, my gosh, we're not going to be able to get Daniel Jones. We love Daniel Jones. Who the heck was going to take him before them? But if you could have got that sense it was coming, you know, move up. They had so many picks. They could have moved up. <clears throat> but to take Daniel Jones at six is just beyond ridiculous. And, like I said, I, I, I would like to see a poll of maybe 50 of the top you know, general managers and NFL analysts, just to see how those 50 guys 
would rank Daniel Jones versus Dwayne Haskins. Take Kyler Murray out because he's a specialty guy in a specialty offense. But Daniel Jones versus Dwayne Haskins, where would they have those guys? Who would have Daniel Jones ahead of Haskins out of those 50? I can't. I mean, personally, and I'm not an NFL draft guru at all, and I admit that, but I would have taken Drew Locke before Daniel Jones. But, you know, that Gettleman's going to have to live with that. I mean, you look at the trade he made, you know, handing over Odell Beckham to the Browns when, you know, you've seen reports come out since then that teams have said, we offered him a lot more than that, you know, than the package the Browns offered him. So I think Dave Gettleman, you know, he's going to pay the price for this. He's going to lose his job in a couple of years for this. But the bad thing is, is the head coach will lose his job first. Pat Shermer will pay the price for Gettleman's foolishness first, and then Gettleman will eventually get it down the road. But, I thought it was colossally stupid, if that makes any sense at all. What I said was probably colossally stupid, but that was dumb. I, it made a lot of sense to me what you said, and it was colossally stupid. And this is another guy, Gettleman, who earlier this offseason, I mean, the, the Odell Beckham Jr. thing is what everybody's going to point to, and rightfully so. That was his biggest debacle. Obviously, he also let Landon Collins go for nothing when you have teams after right. the fact saying that they, they would have given up a second-round pick for Landon Collins, and he just he let him go for nothing. He could have slapped the, the franchise tag on him, then traded him for a second-round pick and say he just let him walk for nothing. He's an idiot. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, he better hope that Daniel Jones turns into a stud or Dave Gettleman will be fired before long. Uh, great stuff, as always, from Bill Bank Green. Appreciate it, Bank. And thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in to the show. I hope everyone has a great day. Let's try that Buckeye swag. Best damn band in the land. Mm-hmm.